This evening, we're going to we're going to look at a, a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter five this evening, Ephesians chapter five. It is good to be here. Praise the Lord. I'm going to take advantage of this water. While you're turning there, if you have a hand free, when everybody put one hand in the air, just just up and down. That's all you need to do. All right. I like to I like to answer questions before I ask them. I think people are more honest if they don't know what the question is, right? Because if I asked you the question afterwards, you may be like, might be like, uh, oh yeah, they should put up their hand because I know what they're like, you know, and uh, and that person should have been here because they would raise their hand, of course, for this. But uh, I want to ask a question this evening, and thank you for being honest and already answering that question for me. The question is this. Have you ever struggled, if you know the Lord as your personal Savior, have you ever struggled in your Christian life? I have. I put my hand up first. I did that. And it's something, over time, it's something we all struggle with to to some extent or another. I want to talk to you about that this evening. It's something that's been a blessing to me. You know, as we live in this world, as we as we live in a, a rush Fast-paced environment with 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 um, performance and debt and different things going on. We have to consider in our lives. This is something that we have to, if if we're not careful, can kind of seep into our Christian life. And I want to challenge you this evening with just one verse. But I want to ask you, what this evening? If you think about it, what should drive your Christian walk? What should be the power or the drive behind that? Now, we have a bus. Sometimes it works. I was on the way to the airport with a group from Claim, uh, Phil Smith and a group, and we blew both head gaskets. We, we, bo- we warped both heads. They were in the airport half an hour before the plane took off. Praise the Lord. It's a small airport, and you just make things work. But, um, but sometimes you have problems with buses, right? Well, our bus is powered by diesel. That is what powers the bus. That's what makes it go. I have a cell phone, and sometimes it works, but, uh, but that phone is powered by a battery. Without that battery, it would not work. It would not work. I know with diesel engines, um, you can use other things to make it work. We have a, a bug spray there called fish. I don't know. I, I would call it bug be gone or bug spot. I don't know, something. But they call it fish. And if you spray that in your engine, you can make your vehicle start and run for a certain amount of time. Now, it works. It, it gets a job done for a little bit, but it's not the proper thing, is it? And to continue using that fish to make to power that vehicle would do harm, wouldn't it? So that's what I want to talk to you tonight. What what drives, what powers our Christian walk to, today? What is that thing that drives us forward in the Christian life? Of course, I didn't tell you what verse we're looking at because you would already get it by now. But in Ephesians 5, verse 2, it says this, and we know it's followed by a great, great verse as well, but it says this, Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in, what's it say there? Walk in love. I just gave it to you. That That's the whole message. And walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us. So it gives us an example to follow there. And hath given himself for us as an offering and sacrifice for a sweet smelling Savior. There's a whole lot we could unpack in that verse this evening and a whole lot we could look at. But I want you to focus just this evening on those words and walk in 
love. This is or should be the power of our Christian life. What propels us forward, the driver of that. What what does that look like to you this evening? What does that look like? I can tell you it's not holding a grudge against another, right? It's not now in Belize, this would be a tribal thing, okay? It, it would be it would be like I noticed a woman at our last gathering who she would not put out her desserts until her people came around. She said, uh-uh, I'm not giving this to you guys. I mean, you're from over there. You're from this village. You know, she'd be like, oh, I know you're saved, but you all ain't from around here, so you're not getting my goods, right? She, she, that, that's kind of what you, that's a little bit of Creole with my spin on it, okay? But, um, but, but, but that's how it happens. Now, now this could, this could happen a lot. It could happen because of ethnical diversity or by social class or, 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 or not loving, not caring for someone because they're new in church, right? They're like, who is that person? I know of a, a case in our own in our own church where where there was a new lady at church and she had a bunch of kids and you know the kids they're not church kids they don't know how to act in church so you see everybody looking and oh, and I mean come on this lady should know better than that right but but we need to love we we need to show them that love of God you know and, and of course we handle that differently our church is so different. You know, we're used to chickens walking through sometimes and different things like that. And maybe you've seen that as well. But things, I mean, we have one guy that gets up seven times to go get a cup of coffee. And then one Sunday he came up to the front and started looking out the window. I mean, you're preaching and this guy just walks up and he's like, praise the Lord. Jesus loves them too, you know. But but we ought to love him. We have one little girl who is two handfuls, okay? But but if you show her love, I mean, this is what I'm saying. You don't know the background there. You don't know that the, the father left three years ago, either either physically or emotionally, and doesn't care for these children. You know, these kids need love. This little girl for the Sunday school, uh, one week we we the, the there was no power. We couldn't use a projector. So I said, well, okay, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up a little bit. We also didn't have our Sunday school teacher that week. So I said, okay, you need to come up here. I said, you need to help me teach these adults a song. So this little girl, she came up and she sang. She was a part of the service and she felt so important. She felt so special. And you know what? She sat down there and listened after that. You know, uh, another little boy, he, he, a brother, he is a handful as well. I said, look at Hudson over there. Hudson's lonely. Hudson's a big old boy. I said, he, he's sad. Can you go over there and sit with him and, and just, just be with him? Help him feel better? Oh, yes. He has a job to do. So he went over there and sat down and he was the best kid all through the service. He fell asleep halfway through, but praise the Lord, you know, <laughs> but we need to love people. We need to give them. I give the kids a job to do. They put away the chairs at the end of the service and they felt they are a part of something. You know, we, we need to show God's love to others. That, that is one way. What one thing we're talking about here. But uh, we need to be careful of of how we do this. But the Bible says and walk in love. This is or should be that driver we're talking about in the Christian life. All of our living needs to be uh, all of uh, all of our living out the Christian life needs to be because of life, love, all of our giving, all of our going, all of our serving needs to be driven by this thing of love. Is this making sense to us? this night? I hope it is. But maybe it'll make a little more sense if we saw what what is not. What should not drive? What is that fish spray that sometimes we try to incorporate into our lives that gets us in trouble? First, uh, the first response or reaction 
to God's working in our lives should never be a performance-based um, drive, okay? Driven by, by performance. A, a performance-based motive says, I'm going to perform so I can get the benefit or the reward of the performance. You know what I mean there. Uh, you know what I mean by that. That's how the world operates, right? We, 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 we do good in school. We study. We work hard. We graduate. We get a job. We work hard in that and we get, we get the next position and we go up and we get the bonuses and that's how the world is supposed to work. Now, of course, we know we're not supposed to be like the world, but, uh, but this gets into our mentality. I need to do more. I need to push so I can be accepted, so I can be looked at, so I can be looked at somebody who is of value. Of course, we know, according to the Bible, what are we? Dirt. You know, <laughs> it, it's only God that works in and through us that can make us anything. But we get wrapped in the, wrapped up in this thing of being performance driven, and it's something we need to be careful of. We perform to get the benefit of the reward given to us. Is sal- I'll help you out. Is salvation performance driven? No, it, it's not. Uh, not in any sense. What about God's love for you? Does he love you any less if you don't perform? No, no. He, he is, and, and I'll explain why. His love is eternal. It's unchanging. So there should, therefore, you should never be performance driven with God. There are many reasons that this concept is broken. And of course, the main and first and foremost being that because it's theologically broken this evening, okay? Because Jesus Christ already did the performing for us, right? We, we know He's done that. He's paid that debt for us and we receive it by grace. It's a gift to us. You cannot perform to be saved. I, I think and I hope we all realize that this evening. You cannot perform to be saved. Maybe you have a question about that this evening. And that's something we would love to help you with. Your pastor, those here would love to answer and deal with you on that. But you cannot do in order to be saved. You cannot perform to stay saved. Tuh. That's not it. I guess it, we'll call it English. All right. To, to stay saved. And you cannot perform to get God's love. You say, well, how, what about that? Let's see. There is performance in the Christian life. We, we know there's things we ought to do. Uh, we're given some stuff to do. But it, it also tells us that the driver of these things should be what's already been done for us. This love of Christ, as we're talking about in Ephesians 5.2. The Bible also talks about uh, hearing his love, not that... We love Christ, but that he loved us and gave himself as a propitiation for our sins. It goes like this. Because you're loved so much, how do you want to respond to God? And the natural response is if God loves me that much, then I can't help but respond back in love. I can't help but 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 power my life, uh, feed off that love for him and reciprocate that love. I love power tools. And that saw goes back and forth. Reciprocation saw. He loves me. I love him. I find out how much he loves me and I want to love him back the same. You know, of course, we can't do that, but we want to do all we can. But we get this wrong in our human relationships as well. This is something as a parent, because I'm a parent now, I'm learning. Of course, we learn by mistakes, but we learn things. Hey, son, you scored three goals this game. I love you. Well, well, that's a that's a that's a performance based love there, isn't it? We're teaching our children that you did this thing. Therefore, I love you. We might not mean it like that, but that's how it's being portrayed. Or or you made the honor roll. Wow, you're my you're a great kid. You know, I love you so much. 
You're setting them up for, for this performance type based love instead of love driven performing. OK, we need to be careful. Now, isn't it easy to love someone that loves you? I mean, I've got some people I've got I've got some people that are just a real blessing to me and I love being around them. But those people that are hard to tolerate, those people that you just want to I'll be careful. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Those people that you don't love as much. It's hard to show them love, right? Now, now, what about this? If you really believe that God doesn't like you, if you were to believe in your mind that you're a stench or, or a, a disappointment to God, if that's who you think you are, you're going to have a hard time loving Him, aren't you? But, but this is what happens. And with, when dealing with young people, this is often the, the scenario. You can ask a young person, do your parents love you? There's a struggle there. You say, do you believe your parents love you? Well, yeah, I know they love me. I know they love me. Do they like you? Uh Uh-uh, they don't like me at all. You know, that's not the case. But what's the devil do? The devil does this to us. He says, God doesn't like you. Look at these things you've done in your life. Look at how you, you messed up. How, how could he love you? How could you, how could he do that? And that puts a strain on the relationship, doesn't it? It puts a strain there. If Satan can convince you that you're nothing but a disappointment to God, what he is then, what's then he doing? He's basically cutting off your ability to enjoy God. By doing so, he cripples your ability to relate to him. And we ought to relate to him. Remember the the relationship they had there in the garden, being able to walk together and talk together and fellowship there. Uh, when When he takes that from you, when he cripples your ability to relate to God, you're going to struggle to see God as a loving father, aren't you? And it happens in our life sometimes. And And you struggle to see yourself as his dear child. But we know who is who does this. This is Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Performance-driven motivation turns God into someone that he isn't. And it turns the Christian life into a behavior-based thing that's always trying to earn God's favor. Okay, To be worthy of God's rewards and blessings to which he's already given us. It turns it all into some crazy, unattainable thing where you're going to say, man, this is insane. You know, I give up. If it's a performance-based thing... uh, you're gonna, you're gonna struggle with this. You're gonna feel like you're on a hamster wheel, you know. You see those hamsters trying to run and, and they can never run fast enough to, to get, um, to where they think they need to be. We gotta be careful of this. Remember, Jesus did all the performing for you. Uh, it's already been paid for. You're loved by God. Now, as I said, there are things in God's Word that we ought to do. I'm not excusing this. Some people say, Grace, brother, you don't need to do anything, you know, don't worry about this. No, because of God's love for us, we should want to honor him and respect him in the way he wants to be honored and loved and respect, respected. The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's how we are to reciprocate that love back to him. These are the things we ought to do. And by doing these things, by following the word of God, we'll find that joy. We'll find that closer relationship with God and that peace we ought to have in loving and being with him. And we know if we are to get away from those things, if we're not to be, uh, if we're uh, partaking in, in sin and living a life away from God, we can feel that emptiness there uh, that displeases Him. But you're never any less loved by God, which should compel us to love Him all the more. That's what we ought to do. Be careful of this, of this, um, of this 
kind of uh, performing in the Christian life. And secondly is that of a debt-driven motivation this evening, okay? That being of a debt-driven. It's not performing for God's reward, but I'm performing because I owe God. I owe God. Here's the big question. Do we owe God? That's a that's a question right there. Well, yeah, uh, yes, no. Do we owe God? Let me ask you this way. Do you have a debt that you have to pay on with God? No. If he's already paid it, the Bible, uh, the song says Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. So if you look at it like that, when we got saved, did God give you a payment book? Uh-uh. He, he, there's no payment book. You need to do this. To pay for it, you need to do this. That's, that's not how we should look at it. And, and this, this line of thinking, though, it actually sounds good, though, doesn't it? Because of what Jesus did for me, I owe him. And, and truly, to think like that, yes, I mean, he's paid a debt we could never pay. But we are, we are not to think we need to continually paying on that because then we get into this debt-driven uh, mentality. Uh, what we're saying by doing so is saying I have an, an infinite debt, this huge debt that I need to start making payments on. But we know, as I said, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid my sin debt and it's an eternal home in heaven, in heaven with him and all these things and all what a price he paid for me. So I'll just start paying this debt. I'll pay with my tithes. I'll pay with my, my church attendance and with the things I do. And we get thinking like this. Am I serving? Am I giving? I've got to pay God back for what I owe. And that all sounds good and noble. And those things are right to do, but not in order to pay for that debt. Again, theologically, this concept of a debt repayment is incorrect. Salvation makes you debt free. It's paid your debt and makes you free. Now, we are debtors in Romans. It says in Romans 1.14, Paul says, I'm a debtor. He says, I'm a debtor both to the barbarians and the Greeks, to both the wise and the unwise. How so? He needs to give them the gospel. Okay, that's how he is a debtor. And that's he needs to he needs to tell these people of their sin debt, their 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 sin cancer, because he has a cure for that thing. And we know the Bible compels us to do so. God's word to us. Uh but in the sense that I have a ballot sheet in heaven or that I somehow have to pay it down, that's like saying, that's like saying Pastor Alcock bought me a new house. Could you imagine that? I mean, some of you are saying, yeah, he's loaded. I know he's got it. But, um, but what if I said Pastor Alcock bought me a mansion, a big old house, right? But he didn't really buy it for me. You know, he, he made the down payment. So I owe a lot of money. The monthly payment is like $5,000, and, and I could never come up with that. He said, I want to give you a gift, a mansion. I paid for it. Well, not really. But here's the, here's the payment book. Did he help me? Not really, did he? I mean, I got this mansion I can look at, but I can never pay it down. So now I'm burdened by this, this penalty, burdened by this thing that I got to pay down. And eventually, the burden of the payment becomes greater than the blessing. Know what I mean? Like like a car. Like uh, so. Anyways, uh, it, it becomes heavier than that than that blessing. Yet some people accept salvation as the day that God made a down payment on the price of their sins. That's how they look at it. Uh, they got a Bible, which is their instruction manual on how to do such things. They know the pastor is always there to, hey, you need to pay up, you know. And that's how some people think of this gift of salvation. 
it sounds kind of like a, a hostage situation to me, right? Something you can't escape from. You want, but you can never handle, okay? Um, so all the saved people, they come and make payments of their tithes and their, their acts of service at the church and all the, all the, uh, all the things that you do there. And eventually, like I said, the blessing of the thing like the new house or the car is, is outweighed by the debt. It's like we had a we had a minivan, okay? We were able to buy a minivan. It was a few years old, but I pretended it still smelled new. You know, we have this new vehicle. We had payments on it, and you get to drive around. Look at me. I've got a new van. It had fake leather seats. It had doors on both sides. And we were making payments on this thing, and I was pretty proud of that thing. Well, we had young kids. And eventually that inside got messy. Eventually that new car smell went away. <laughs> Things happen in vehicles. You know how it goes on trips. And when they learn to ride bikes, all down the side. So this new thing, yeah, it was a minivan, but it had chrome wheels. It was a cool minivan, okay? So suddenly this new thing that was pretty neat, and I don't mind making a payment on, isn't so new anymore. And isn't so special anymore. And sometimes we feel like that with our Christian life. And like I said, the debt we feel outweighs that of the blessing. The joy of the salvation could eventually turn into the payment mentality. So like I said, Every Sunday you feel like the pastor's up there saying your contribution's not big enough and you're not doing enough. And, and we, we feel like this is a case sometimes when really it's not. My wife had a, uh, an incident where um, her purse was stolen and they stole her identity and her, her, her social insurance card and stuff like that and started creating accounts. And ringing up debt. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've ever dealt with a debt collector, but it's not fun, right? Whether it's yours or somebody else's, they call and call and call. And you, you need to make a payment. This is your debt. This is something you need to pay. And sometimes we feel the same way. We need to be careful because that's not at all what the Christian life is supposed to be like. Now, let me say this, though. It would be a great deal, wouldn't it? If God said, hey, I'll pay for all your sins... If you serve me for the rest of your life, deal. I'll take that. I don't need to see what's in the second suitcase. I want that deal, right? But uh, but that's not the way it is. You know, he loves us and he wants us to share and show us that love back. Moving on here. Jesus said, I paid for you and you could never pay me back because you could never pay him back. There's nothing we could ever do to pay our Lord and Savior back for what he's done. He says, I love for I love you for who you are in me. And I've given you the victory already. I've given you all the rewards of eternity. They're, they're yours, so let's move on together. Imagine how weird a relationship would be if one of my children said, Dad, I want to pay you back for, the, for what you've had in my life. I want to, our relationship needs to be one where I continually pay you back. I want to check with you and see what I owe. That doesn't make sense, does it? I want a relationship with my son. I love him. That's all there is to it. And the Christian life is the same way. We need to be careful of that. Now, if you're not performance driven and you're not debt driven, you are free to be love driven this evening. Okay? do you think uh, my wife wants me to love her? The answer is yes. My wife, she does Um, for this scenario. Anyway, no, my wife wants me to love her. So a performance driven relationship with my wife would say this. And I'm just trying to do these things so we help understand what what it is and what it isn't here. A performance-driven love would say, I'm going to take her on a date 
so she'll take me on a date. I'm going to bless her so that she'll bless me. I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back, right? Well, it, it works like that, although it shouldn't. Um, but, but that would be a performance-based love. I'd be performing for her so that I can get, again, the results of the performance. That gets old. There will come a time when I can't meet her needs like that, or she can't meet her my needs, and that performance-based love would no longer work, Okay. It's going to get old like that. Now, what if it was a debt-based model for our relationship based on something like this? Well, I guess I owe you. You've been with me for 15 years. I owe you something, right? I mean, let's go out for a coffee. Or, or, or maybe I should buy, your, buy you some flowers. Does she want that? Yes, she wants coffee. But she doesn't want that kind of a relationship. She doesn't want a relationship based on debt where we hold each other accountable. He did this. So I did that. I'll do this so that he can do that. We need to be very careful with these things. She, like I said, she might want coffee, but she wants it freely from me, from a heart of love. Because it's not performance, it's just a love-driven love. So how does God want you to go about your life? How does He want you to attend church or, or give or serve or, or whatever you do? He wants you to do everything in love. Then you can say, God, I know that I'm not forced to do this thing or you're going to love me any less for doing this or not doing this. I'm free to do it and I want to love you. Why? John 4.10, as I said, here in his love, not that we love God, but that God, but he first loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Of course, his love is a sacrificial love. It's a giving of oneself. And this is our pattern that he shows for us here today. With a heart of love, we can say like Psalms 122, 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Sunday should be instead of the day we dread. And sometimes you could say that. Don't Your pastor's not looking. But, but sometimes you could say, man, I don't want to go to church today. You know, I know what's going to happen, but we're looking at it the wrong way. When we think of God's love for us, when we think of what he's done and continue to think of that, it compels us. It drives us forward. That is our fuel um, to continue to do so. Love is the only way to sustain the Christian life. Why? Because number three and lastly this evening, you're like, ah, okay, good. Your heart can always grow in love. That, that model of, of uh, those other models, they don't work. They're, they're, they're broken. You, you crash. You, you stop. You can't attain. But your heart can always grow in love. When I got married, I thought, man, I got the one. And she is the one, by the way. She's here. I'll say it. Um, she's the one for me, and I love her. And I couldn't imagine ever loving somebody else anymore. You're thinking, where's he going with this? Well, then we had a child. And I think, good night. Look at this. Justin's smiling. She's the oldest. And uh, I say, look at this thing I need to take care of. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I love it. You know, and your heart just goes boom. And you love it so much. And you think, I don't know how I could have ever done without this one. Right. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen my kids. Got to be careful here. Getting emotional. But um, but and then the next one comes along and boom, bigger again. And I'll, Jason's here, so I'll say, and again, the next one, all right? Don't want to leave anybody out. But our heart has the, the opportunity and the mentality in which it can grow. And we continue to grow in love. And that's so awesome. I, I'm thankful for that. The same as our relationship with God. The more you love Him, the more your love for Him expands. 
I mean, you get you get a truth. You understand something more about how he loved you. You face another day in which you fail and fall down on your knees and come before God and say, God, I can't believe you still love me. And your your love for him explodes again. Uh, maybe, I, I got here. Uh, the more uh, your love, the more you love him, the more your love for him expands. Maybe like your spouse's waist. Uh, my wife was. No, no, it was for me. But um, performance driven won't work. A perfor- that's, that was meant for me. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. But um, performance driven, a performance driven model will not work. Neither will a debt driven model in our li- in our life. But love, a love driven service for God ne- is never resentful, never resentful, always respectful, and the only way to serve God. As I said, Ephesians five two and walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling Savior. May your life today be that sweet smelling Savior. An offering as you give him your love and your life.